Good morning. Labor Day weekend. Great to see you. Hope you're having a good time. I hope you have air conditioning. Hey, this morning we are going to look at how to deal with the feelings of being disqualified because of our weaknesses. The feelings we struggle with, that we're disqualified because of our weaknesses. Right now in our culture, there's a great emphasis on self-actualization, an emphasis on self-improvement, self-help books fly off the shelves, and there is a intrinsic unstated assumption that we began to live with, even in the church world, that only those who have eradicated all or most of their weaknesses are candidates for significant contributions. Added to that, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so when we even have a passing thought that maybe we should stand on this stage... Or maybe we should be down teaching a Bible story at base camp. Or telling Logan, hey, I'll help with the young people. Or I'll be out front greeting. The accuser of the brethren comes to us and reminds us of negative attitudes that we secretly carry. Weaknesses in our Christian disciplines like we don't pray enough. Inconsistencies in our behavior. Broken relationships that we have had past failures, besetting struggles, and we are soon and easily convinced that we could not possibly be a candidate. Maybe some little thing on the fringe, but we could never possibly be a candidate for the kind of exploits we read in the Scripture of Moses and Abraham and Gideon and Paul. Those are for other kinds of people. And so we're going to look at the life of Peter, one of the most significant personalities in the New Testament, and we are going to discover the incredible contribution he made to the kingdom of God, and then we are going to look at the startling, almost searing series of failures in his life, and consider how in the world did God and Peter mitigate those failures so that his contribution was significant even though all of his weaknesses did not disappear? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, good overcomes evil. And we're going to discover five goods in Peter's life that mitigate the weaknesses and failures. So let's, let's jump in, shall we? So here we have Peter. After Jesus our Lord and the Apostle Paul, Peter's the most significant personality in the New Testament. He was one of the very first disciples who was called by Jesus to follow him, Peter and Andrew. He not only was one of the first, but he followed Jesus through the entire almost three-year span of Jesus' ministry, of all the people, tens, then hundreds, then thousands who followed Jesus, Peter was one of the 12, and not only one of the 12, but one of the inner three. When Jesus, near the end of his life, in great travail, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took the 12 disciples to the garden, and then he took, 
He took Peter, James, and John further into the garden with him because Peter was part of that inner circle. Not only that, but Peter experienced one of the greatest events. In fact, it's an event that's impacted every one of us. We are here in this room today, partly because of that event. God chose to give Peter the vision to carry to the church that the gospel was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. One of the most unique revelations in all of Scripture. And when you begin to read the book of Acts, the first third of the book of Acts, Peter is the first and primary leader in the church. His personality was large and is all over. And even today when we read the scriptures, two of the books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter are written by him. God picked him. And he used them again and again and again and again and again. But there's another Peter. Just like there's another you. And there's another me. Just a few snapshots near the end of Jesus' life. Jesus gathers the disciples together in the upper room. The cross and the crucifixion are only hours away. And Peter... Peter sees Jesus begin to kneel down and Jesus starts to wash the feet of the disciples. And Peter immediately says, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in what I'm going to do. Then Peter, always extravagant, always exaggerate. Well, then, Lord, wash me entirely. In other words, give me a bath. Jesus, simmer down. Now they began to leave the upper room, and on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus starts to tell them that they're all going to betray him. Peter immediately says, no, not, but not me. Yes, yes, he says, you're, you're all going to betray me. Peter gets in. Now, Pete, remember, Peter thinks that Jesus is the son of the living God, and he gets into an argument with him. Like, who's going to win that? He says, no, no, if everyone else betrays you, I will not betray you. No self-awareness at all. You ever come home from a party or an event and you think, why in the world did I say that? Welcome to Peter's world. They get into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John further in. And the Bible says, Jesus says to them, my soul is crushed. That's the anguish that Jesus was experiencing. And Peter, James, and John response as Jesus goes further in to pray is that they take a nap. Jesus comes out repeatedly, finally chides them for sleeping through the the most critical moments of his life. And Peter's sleeping. Well, he says, it's time to go. Jesus takes them out of the garden. There, those that are going to arrest Jesus show up. And Peter immediately, now overreacting, pulls out his knife and cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. You can hear Jesus saying, Peter, 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 Peter. Picks up the ear, heals the the man. 
Jesus is taken away, finally brought before his accusers. Peter's out in the courtyard. A woman asks him, you're one of those, aren't you? One of those followers of Jesus. Peter denies it. He denies it again. He denies it again. He raises his voice. He swears. The Bible says he was so shocked by his own failure that he left weeping bitterly. But it's not just those events. Even after the Pentecost and the, and the fall of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, later on, Peter, who got the vision that the gospel was for the Gentiles, was fraternizing with the Gentiles. And when the Jews started criticizing him, the Bible says he withdrew. He withdrew from the Gentiles. And Paul was so incensed that he withstood Peter to the face in public because he felt that Peter's behavior was twisting and perverting the gospel. How in the world? Here's Peter, this giant. And here's Peter, so fallible. What went on in Peter's life that God saw Peter was valuable to him in the kingdom even with the shortcomings he had. So let's look at five things that were true of Peter's life can be true of your life and can help us deal positively with our shortcomings and hear God's call in the midst of it. Five behaviors. First, join up. Matthew chapter 4, we read, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Statistics are telling us that the culture is consistently moving away from joining anything. Church membership is down, membership in lodges and civic organizations are down. All all across our own culture, people are saying, I don't want to join anything. It's almost as if keeping all of our options open is one of the greatest virtues of life. I will argue with you that it is just the opposite. Peter heard that call and he said yes, and in the midst of all of his failures and struggles, he kept his membership alive. He joined up. He stayed with it all the way through three years of Jesus' ministry, through the crucifixion, into the book of Acts, all the way to the end, to the end of his own death. Peter stayed committed to Jesus Christ. David Wilcox, the singer, um, sings a song about not wanting to choose because of all the choices I'll lose. Not wanting to choose because of all the choices I'll lose. But there are some joys and there are some achievements that are only won through prolonged commitment. 
Brian Van Epp said last week, Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Those choices made over a long period of time themselves open new possibilities. So as we narrow our choices, I narrowed my choices and I married Marcy. And that opened the door to now five grandchildren. And one of them, Stace, nine years old, and I just finished putting together a 1,686-piece Lego red double-decker London bus. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if they'd have laid that thing in pieces in my casket if it wouldn't have been for Stace. One of the highest virtues is not keeping all my options open. It is signing up. Not living like a pinball Christian. Bing, 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 bing. I'm going to do this and then this and go, go here. I'm going to go there. As if somehow that disjointed, disconnected, hyper-sensationalized uh, uh, approach to Christian living is going to produce anything meaningful in my life. Join up. Peter, for all of his weaknesses, maintained his commitment. We can live life. I don't have to take this. My boss speaks to me, I don't, I don't have to take this. Some preacher comes on a little hard. I, I don't have to take this. My spouse gets ear. I, I don't have to take this. Learn to do hard things. Great achievement is always connected to learning to do hard things. Living life like, I don't have to take this. You'll sit on the sidelines watching other people achieve something because the people who achieve something are willing to take this. They're willing to put up with stuff. I just bought a book on learn to do hard things. It's not because I'm enthralled with hard things. I just know that's a doorway, and if I won't go through that doorway, I don't get what's on the other side. I was watching at the GLS, interviewing Ron Howard. Been married 47 years in, the, in a Hollywood culture. And he's been with his same... Uh, business partner, Brian Glazer, for 35 years. You think in all that time there was never a crossword? Never a disagreement? Don't fall in love with, I don't have to take this. Join up. Second thing, show up. John chapter 21, Jesus is talking to Peter after the resurrection. Remember, Peter's just had this series of catastrophic failures. And Jesus talks to him by the Sea of Galilee. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you know you love, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. The requirement of service is not perfection, but love. And flawed people can love. Show up. If join up is about commitment, show up is about persistence. Become a lifelong learner. Peter showed up. Even as the book of Acts begins to move towards James, the brother of Jesus, becoming the great leader of the church, early church historians say that Peter, with his wife, hit the road. And they began to go into the Gentile world and find Jews that had been scattered and preach the gospel to them. Scripture t- uh, historians tell us in uh, Pontus and Galatia and Bithynia, Cappadocia and Asia, he showed up. says, I am here to work. So I wrote out my callings for the next 10 years of my life. Not things I want to do, things that I think God is saying, this, this is why I, I want the next 10 years of your life to look like. And I'll just read them to you. I think the Lord has three callings for me. So I'm 72. Someone said, I noticed every time you preach, you tell us how old you are. <laughs> That's because I'm trying to remember. So <laughs> So from 72 to 70 to 82, there are my callings, the calling of a scholar, living in my identity, serving the kingdom by showing how new wineskins can serve long-standing loyalties. Calling of my family, living in maturity, serving the kingdom by showing how wisdom is gained in, in relationship. Self-care, living in delight, serving the kingdom by living in an inner integrity that radiates life. I'm trying to build my decisions and my resources and my time around those three callings. Because from 72 to 82, I intend to still show up. There are masses of people that need you to show up. To not be just consumers. Even Christian consumers or consumers of just Christian things. But to show up. Jesus was saying to Peter after his catastrophic failures, I'm not through with you. 
and after the sum of the failures in your life that you don't even want to whisper to yourself. Jesus wants to say to you, I'm not through with you. Join up and show up and then step up. Hey, they rhyme. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls upon the new church. People are gathered in Jerusalem. The Bible says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And this is the first sermon of the new church. The Bible says 3,000 people were added to the church that day because Peter stepped up. A thing of some, uh, some courage in the face of some of the very recent events in Peter's life. And yet he stepped up. If join up is about commitment and show up is about persistence, step up is about availability. The Bible says, he that's faithful in the little things, I will make you rulers over much. To learn to step up. Somebody asked me where I've been. Uh, I've been the interim lead pastor of a church of a thousand in Cheyenne, Wyoming for the last nine months. And so every month I've been flying, I've flown about 40, 45 times in the last nine months to Cheyenne, Wyoming. And uh, their new pastor has arrived and preached his first sermon on August 28th, and uh, I'm here. But I want to tell you how that happened. I'd read some statistics that by the end of the pandemic, 20 to 25% of churches would be without pastors, either, either by retirement, early retirement, burnout, people choosing other careers. And so uh, I said to Marcy, I said, I just, I think we need to let our superintendent, who was Jay Forsett at the time, I'm just going to give him an email and let him know that because I have a flexible schedule, I'm the Christian leadership professor at YTI, but my schedule has flexibility, that I could help out at a church if, if, if there was some need. Now I'm thinking there might be some church 90 miles away that I could drive to on a Sunday. So I let him know. Jay Forster said, hey, you know, my wife and I are going to worship at Journey Church next weekend. Uh, could we meet in the foyer? I think he's just being friendly. So we get to the foyer, and there he is. And so we sit down and have coffee at one of the tables right out, out, out here. And so I just repeat my offer that if something, if, if he had a need and he, he couldn't, well, he says, uh, I, you're not... You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you, but what you're saying has more power in it than you realize. He said, I just talked to Jeff Manis, who was the founder of Element Church, and Jeff has decided to go to Houston, Texas, for all the best of reasons. And they're going to be an interim situation. And he said, Jeff has specifically asked if you'd be available to become the interim pastor. And I said with all my great spiritual insight, I hardly know Jeff. <laughs> what in the world? So at 72, <laughs> I've been going to Cheyenne for nine months. 
And on my last weekend, which was, uh, I preached down there August, 8, August 14th, on that weekend, Marcy, my wife, was having a garage sale, community garage sale at Four Corners where we live, and her daughter and daughter-in-law were helping, and after the garage sale, they went across the street to an elderly woman whose husband just died, and she had his clothes out, and she helped bag up all those clothes, all three of them, and then she took all those clothes to Love, Inc., where she is volunteering regularly, and when she's not doing that, she's at the connect table out here, or the, why am I telling you this? We don't do this stuff just because we are old and we have nothing else to do. We are doing this because it is in the DNA of humans that if they are going to be healthy, they have to step up and be doing things for other people. It's part of how we were created. And laying in the tall grass isn't what life's about. And so despite all his failures, when the Holy Spirit fell and the crowds were there, Peter stood up and he preached the gospel because he still knew that that gospel was true even in the midst of his own shortcomings and his own failures. Join up, show up, step up, grow up. Peter writes in his own letter in 2 Peter, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read in this somebody who's maturing. This rash, unpredictable, unstable, unaware disciple is growing up because only someone who's growing up could write a passage so packed with understanding that Peter's writing right here. He's growing up. And one of the things I've learned is you never get too old to grow up. There's always things God's wanting to do in your life. And I heard just recently someone say, growth and comfort cannot coexist. Some people live their life so that this statement is true. I just want what I believe to be repeated regularly so I feel secure. I just want what I believe repeated regularly so I feel secure. But we'll never reach a stage in life where God doesn't want to bring more growth into our life. And one of the keys to growth is not trying to remove things. It's trying to add things. Good overcomes evil. Whatever we concentrate on, we conform to. And often we try to get rid of the evil. We try to get rid of the stuff that isn't good by concentrating on that stuff. 
instead of replacing it by virtue of concentrating on the good. And the more we concentrate on the good, the more it overwhelms the evil. Now, I'm a slow learner. One of the truths of my spiritual walk is whatever I've learned, I could have learned 10 years earlier. Because once I learned it, I think this was staring me in the face for 10 years. Why didn't I see it? So I'm in a, so I'm down in Cheyenne, and they have a guy named Joe Sangle who comes in every year. He's, he's been doing it for 13 years down there. He comes in, he, he's, a, he's a financial consultant from a Christian perspective, and he preaches in the morning, and he gives a workshop in the evening, and 13 years, so he's a longtime friend of all the people there in, in uh, Element Church. And uh, so he's there on a Sunday that I'm there, preaches in the morning, and that evening, he's going to go do his two-hour two hour thing. And I'm thinking, I don't, I'm, I don't know that I need to go to that. But I thought, oh, he's a regular part of this fellowship. I'm going to go and support that and hang around with the people. And so I am going with no expectations. That's how spiritual I am. I'm going to church with not an expectation at all. Follow me. <laughs> so... So I'm sitting right, like right over here. And he's, he's talking, he's doing his financial thing, and he stops. And what he's explaining to them, he was explaining about how he got into this kind of work, how he had been doing uh, other kind of work, including he was preaching at a church 16 times a, a year, and that brought in a certain income, and here was, and the Lord was calling him to this new venture and he would have to quit these ventures in order to do that, and it was going to require commitment and risk. And that's what he was explaining, and he stops. And he says, this isn't even in my talk, but there's somebody in this room that God's been telling you to do something for 10 years, and you've been busy doing other things and not doing that. Ever been in a room like this when you think you are the only one in the room? And I don't know what other people heard. But it was like a dagger to me. It was 10 years ago this year that I earned my PhD in how to create and sustain empowering social environments. The Lord's been asking me to write that into a book for 10 years, and I've been busy. And that night, he said to me, in effect, Derry, in this area of your life, grow up, step up, and get to this, and quit making excuses. And for 10 years, I've been fudging around doing other things, but that night I knew that if I didn't do that, it would start to become sin. That God was saying, I am changing the ballgame. Now, the problem was, I was a little overcommitted. That how in the world do I start to write when I, I don't have any time? But you know what Joe Sengel would have said if he was talking about finances? He would say, he, would say, he believes in tithing of giving 10% to the Lord but if you're overcommitted and you can't give 10%, it's more important to give regularly 
than it is the amount you give. So if you can just give $10, start giving $10. Just start giving. And I thought, well, well what can I do? And I, I thought, I, you know, two, I can give two or three hours a week. From that day, which was about three months ago, four now, I have been writing for three hours every Friday morning, every Friday morning since that day. But in that area, I had to grow up. God says, you're, you're playing. You're playing at something that I'm trying to treat as sacred. Stop playing. And if join up is commitment and show up is persistence and step up is availability, grow up is maturity. And Peter begins to exhibit that in what he writes here. Then there's a final one, give up. By give up, I don't mean quit. I mean give, sacrifice. John 21, Jesus says, I will tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Jesus was telling Peter how he was going to die a martyr's death in his name. Listen to this. Every once in a while, I, I hear something and I think, this is going to stay with me for years. Listen to this. For all human thriving, if you see any human thriving, someone has sacrificed for that thriving. All human sacrifice is based, all human thriving is based on the sacrifice of another. Whether it is Jesus on the cross or a mother who hasn't had a good night's sleep, a new mother who hasn't had a good night's sleep in four months, or a parent who's taken money they would have loved to spend someone else, somewhere else and put it in a college fund for their children. All human thriving is based on someone who has sacrificed. And my brother lives up in... Uh, uh, by Kalispell. And he and his wife had their fourth son. He was born with a heart defect and they immediately flew him to Seattle. And when my brother Ernie and his wife got there, they asked the doctor what their son's chances were and the doctor said, well, we don't know because almost no baby gets to us alive with this problem. And somehow, miraculously, he lived. But he had significant health problems. And my brother worked at a job he didn't particularly like. Up at the aluminum mill, what was the old aluminum mill up in Columbia Falls, Montana. But it had good health insurance. 
And for years, he worked at a job he didn't care for in order to maintain that health insurance for the sake of his son, who now in his mid-30s is thriving, manager of a store. You know it, and I know it, that behavior deserves reverence. And the reverence we feel when we hear a story like that is the reverence of human sacrifice so that someone else can thrive. It is the foundation of the Christian faith of Jesus on the cross and is the call of every one of us. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, when this is all over, you are going to die. And church history tells us that Peter died on the cross, but because he did not want to die, like his Savior died, he didn't feel he was worthy. He asked that he be, he be put on the cross with his head down. And he gave up. Join up, show up, step up, grow up, give up. And so amidst all of his struggles and all of his failures, when we read the New Testament, there is Peter And there's Peter again and again and again because God showed him how to mitigate his failures with these behaviors. Let's bow our heads as we finish up today. With our heads bowed just for a moment and we're not looking around. Most of us in this room can quickly think of a weakness that Satan has used to give us the feeling of being disqualified. And would you let this morning be the morning that you decide that comes to an end. However discouraged this weakness may sometimes make me, I'm going to start making myself available to the Lord. And in your spirit, would you just open the palms of your hands and say, Lord, here I am. You know me, and you know the failings of my life, but here I am. Speak for your servant heareth. Lord, we thank you for the powerful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who can take Peter with all of his struggles and out of him build a giant. And Lord, this room is filled with such people. We open our lives to you. We plead for your mercy. And we make ourselves available to the Christ who knows us and loves us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.